Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you'll move on this listener right now in your gentle, loving, powerful, and merciful way as they listen to this message from All Nations Church in Tallahassee. Amen. Take your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago, talking about standing firm in the last days. As you're turning, one thing I want to make you aware of, I found out uh, this week, I believe it was on Thursday, that uh, the diaper run, and all of you remember the diaper run, who've been here any time, we've done it for several years, it's a ministry of M25, which raises diapers, wipes, and cash to support Royal Family Children's Home in North Carolina. I hadn't heard anything about it. You know, Gary had the motorcycle accident in Oregon. I was there with him. He passed this off to someone else, and no communication came out to me. Found out on uh, Thursday that they're actually coming through here this next Thursday morning, 7.30. We're going to feed them breakfast if you'd like to help us with that. Uh, see Yvonne or I after service. And if you, between now and Thursday, want to bring some diapers or wipes and drop them off here at the church, we will bless them with those as well. If not, I certainly understand that also. No problem. Take your Bibles and turn with me again to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. One more quick note. Someone, well, several someone's mentioned to me this morning that I am uh, sporting an FSU shirt this morning. Absolutely. After Oklahoma last night, I've got to find somebody else to cheer for. They are absolutely pathetic. So I'm going to show you some love today. Now, don't get used to it because it probably won't last. But today, I'm an FSU fan. Amen. Yeah, I knew that'd make some of you happy. Look with me, verses 1 through 7 and then verse 15 from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you. If you underline things in your Bible, if you highlight them, you need to highlight that phrase. You need to underline that phrase. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. May I pause right there and tell you we are seeing that every single day around the world. People abandoning the church, falling away from the gospel, turning to their own wishes, their own desires, rather than following Jesus Christ. It's a falling away. And the man of sin is revealed in the son of perdition. That's speaking of the Antichrist who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Verse 5 says, do, not, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Paul is saying, just remember what you were taught. See, that's the problem. We don't remember the foundations of the gospel. And then something comes down the pike that tickles our ears, and we chase after it. And in fact, what we're doing is departing from the gospel of Christ. The next verse says, And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. The next verse, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work, and only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. 
Those two verses talk about a restraining force, a restraining power that is holding evil at bay. Refers to two things. Number one, it refers to the true church of Jesus Christ. You and I are a restraining force against the powers of darkness. You need to understand that. Your life has meaning. Your life has measure. Your life has purpose as a believer. And that is to push back the forces of darkness and to shine the light of Jesus Christ. Secondly, that verse refers to Holy Spirit. He is that restraining force. When the church is removed from the earth, the restraining power of Holy Spirit is also removed, and Satan vomits a torrent of destruction. Look at verse 15 with me, please. It says these words, So then, brethren, stand fast or stand firm and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. One more time, he says to them, go back to what you were taught. Go back to how I instructed you. Build your life upon the foundation that is sure and unshaken, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, friend, can I just take a sidebar here and say to you this morning, there are so many people that get distracted from pursuing the true gospel, and they begin pursuing things that sound good, that make them feel good, that allow them to accommodate, you ready for it? Accommodate their own disobedience to the word of God. I'm here to caution you this morning. That in the day and the time in which we live, that characteristic, that behavior will only increase and grow and see greater dimension in the church of Jesus Christ. May I remind you, we are not here to serve ourselves. We are here to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May I remind you, we live by dying. We gain by giving. We only see God's power when we are crushed and broken as human beings so His Spirit can flow through our lives. So many have missed that principle and that truth. It's time to come back to the things that you have been taught. As Paul said to the Thessalonians. Then look at Matthew chapter 24 verse 4. Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. I want to read that from the Amplified Translation. It says, Jesus answered them, Be careful that no one misleads you, deceiving you, leading you into error. Do you know the context of Matthew chapter 24? He sat down on the mountain. The disciples said to him, Tell us what will be the signs of your coming, your return. The first words out of his mouth were, Be careful that no one deceives you. Wow, what a powerful warning. Probably something you and I should be aware of. Probably something we should pay attention to. Because the result of false teaching, I said this two weeks ago, I want to say it again. The result of false teaching is always fear. It's always fear, uncertainty, trepidation. It brings anxiety and depression. The result of false teaching is always fear. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Do we understand that fear is not from God? 
Do we understand it's not something that God puts on his people? God doesn't use fear as a tool of manipulation. God brings love and grace into our life to enable us to change. Fear will never enable us to change. It only enables us to comply. You need to remember that statement because it has a lot of relevance in our society today. Fear will never enable us to change. It only enables us to comply. And God's not looking for someone just to comply. He sent his son, not so that you and I would comply to some religious doctrine or deed, but so that you and I would be changed by the transforming power of the blood of Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't be misled. Who is the author of fear? Well, certainly not God, because Paul made that very clear in 2 Timothy 1.7. God has not given you a spirit of fear. But what has God given you? Power, love, and a sound mind. That last phrase, sound mind, can be translated calm, well-balanced, disciplined, self-control. If those words don't describe you then it's time to come back to the altar. It's time to recognize that the spirit I'm operating under is not the spirit of God. Jesus himself even told us, fear nothing. Fear nothing. Well, that was another day, another time. I've heard that old argument so many times, it's already worn out. Find something new, would you? I'm just really tired of that. It's worn out. It needs to be buried because it's not true. Jesus said to his followers, fear nothing. And yet when I look around, Christianity and the church as a whole is scared to death. Paralyzed by a spirit of fear. Refusing to move forward and do what God's called us to do because of fear. What are we afraid of? What are we afraid of? Well, the answer is pretty simple right now. It's COVID. COVID-19 has scared everybody to death. It's paralyzed in the church and keeps it from doing what God has called us to do. When I make that statement, I have to then follow up with this question. What voice are you listening to? Are you listening to the voice of God revealed through his word by his spirit? Or are you listening to the voice of the media, politicians, people with their own agenda? What voice are you listening to? I've said this, but let me say it again. COVID is very, very real. No one doubts that or disputes it. But what I want you to understand today is the blood-washed believer has no reason to live bound by fear of a virus. It's time for you and I to stand up and be the church. Heartbreaking, the statistic I read this last week, and I'll give you the reference in just a moment. 25% of the children around the world are suffering anxiety and depression because of fear. That wasn't true a year and a half ago, but it's true today. Can you imagine one quarter of every, of all of our children are suffering from fear and it displays itself in anxiety and depression? 
Vaughn and I were in meetings this past week. I'm participating in a program mentoring young pastors, and I have two guys assigned to me, one from South Carolina, one from San Antonio. Yvonne went with me to these meetings. We were sitting there talking to one of these couples. The wife is a school teacher in public school. And she made this statement. She teaches sixth grade. I had a student come in at the start of school this year, and he said, called her by name, Miss So-and-so. I have to have a safe place. I'm afraid. I have to have a safe place. My friend, children of the Most High God should not be communicating and imparting fear to their own children. I don't really care if you like it or not. You and I are called to a higher purpose, and that higher purpose is to help those who follow us, whether they're our biological and blood children, or whether they're in our congregation, or under our authority, under our supervision, to let them know, yes, there's a virus that's real, but there is a God who is greater. There is a Lord who is over it. There is a God who is able. Stop spreading fear. Begin speaking the word of God. Let me just follow this up a little bit. We hear all this clamor about all the children that are dying from COVID. These statistics are directly from the CDC's own website. In the last year and a half, 20 and 21, up through this point, there have been 15 pediatric deaths from COVID in the state of Florida. It's the lowest cause of death among children. What's greater? Drowning, vehicle accidents, homicide, cancer, strangulation, flu, and then COVID. Less than two-tenths of one percent of the deaths among children can be attributed to COVID. It's directly off the CDC's website. You see, we're scaring our kids to death. We're immobilizing them. We're teaching them to believe that there is no safe place. There is no security. I've come to tell you this morning that there is a demonic spirit of fear that is suffocating the planet right now. Believe it or not, it's absolutely true. And what is the church's answer to a demonic spirit of fear? It is to stand in the name of Jesus and declare, we will not fear. There is a greater one who is able to see us through and to carry us through. Folks, let me say it again. Turn off that nasty television and the media. Tune in to the word of God. Hear what the word of the Lord says. You shall live and not die. By his blood, you are healed. He gives you the promise of life and hope in this life today kids are wondering what is there to live for and nobody is giving them the answer nobody is giving them wise counsel the spirit of fear not only affects our children it's destroying relationships grandparents are being denied the opportunity to see their grandkids because of fear. Even in churches, it's happening. It's dividing churches right down the middle. It's causing life to be destroyed. May I remind you of John 10.10? 10? 
John wrote it this way, quoting Jesus Christ, the thief comes, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. The word destroy can also be translated divide. But I am come, or come on somebody, that you might have life and that more abundantly. How does Satan steal your abundant life? By introducing fear, by destroying your hope, by stealing your joy. Oh, come on somebody. It's time to stand on the word of God, not the word of a politician. Those statistics were pulled right out of the CDC's website. Another study I read last week says that a major study of over 5 million COVID-19 patients found a new predictor of mortality. When someone has COVID, they go into the hospital the physicians, after studying 5 million patients, now tell us the number one predictor of mortality of that person not surviving is fear. It's fear. Fear steals. Fear destroys. Fear kills. Fear isolates you. Fear cuts you off. Fear causes you to believe things that are not accurate or so. Fear causes you to lose sight of the promises of God and only hear the predictions of man. Tried out of preventing chronic disease, the public health research practice and policy released July 1st of 2021. The number one predictor of mortality for someone who goes into the hospital with COVID-19 whether they're going to die or not, is fear. So let me say it this way. A spirit of fear is a spiritual problem. It's not a medical problem. It's not a biological problem. It's not a political problem. It's not a scientific problem. It is a spiritual problem. And the only people that have an answer to a spiritual problem are those who know Jesus Christ, who are walking in tandem with him, who are full of the Holy Ghost, and who aren't afraid to open their mouth and say, I rebuke that spirit of fear in Jesus' name. <laughs> Last days there will be a great falling away, Paul wrote. Why? Because fear dominates. Fear flows through the world. God is the only answer to COVID-19. 1 John chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. The scripture says it this way, and we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love, and who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have, are you ready? That we may have, it's right there. Would you say it? That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Let me pause right there. This passage is actually talking about when people stand before the throne of God. But there are many different times of judgment. And this very well could be one of them because God has given America and the world opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to turn back to him and they and we have refused. The ultimate consequence is God's judgment. Judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love 
casts out fear. Because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. What's the remedy? The love of Jesus Christ. The scripture makes it crystal clear. The remedy to a spirit of fear is the presence of God that brings the love of Jesus Christ. The only solution to COVID-19, my friend, is repentance. And if we continue to refuse to bow our knee and repent and ask him to forgive us, the pandemic rages. It rages. People will continue to wring their hands. Do you realize last year God gave a clarion call to repentance? When everything was shut down, he took away entertainment. No movies were made. No new TV programs were made. Entertainment was gone. He took away sports. There was no NFL games, no Major League Baseball games, no NBA games, no college games. They were gone, canceled, X'd out. He took away finances. The economy was tanked at that point in time. He took away the job security that so many have wrapped their lives around, and yet still, we didn't repent. But rather, we as men decided, oh, we got the answer to this. We're going to develop a vaccine in a few months, and that's going to cure COVID. Do you remember when the CDC said that? When we're 80% vaccinated, COVID will disappear. Not true. You know why it's not true? Because man will never find the solution. Man will never find the solution to a spiritual matter. You can stick the needle in your arms as many times as you want. And I'm not saying I'm pro or against vaccination. I'm simply saying it's not the answer. The answer is the blood of Jesus Christ. The answer is rebuking the spirit of fear. The answer is the church rising up and being the church, not just in these walls, but on the streets as well. How many people have you talked to that are scared to death of what's happening right now? And how many times have you said, but I have the answer? Well, pastor, that's arrogant. No, it's not. It's confident. Pastor, that could be misconstrued. Yeah, it probably will be. But there may just be one person out there that is waiting for you to stand up and be a believer and declare, my God is greater. There is an answer. I rebuke that spirit over your life and I allow the peace of God to flow you in you and through you. So who do we listen to? In this age, in these last days, what voice do we listen to? I suggest we should listen to God. You know what God said? Second Chronicles chapter 7, always oh, going to verse 14. No, I'm not. Because there's a precursor to verse 14. God said it this way. When I shut up heaven and there is no rain... Or command the locusts to devour your land. Or send pestilence. The word pestilence from the Hebrew is also translated plague. Or send a plague among my people. Then, if my people 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will hear them from my throne is what that scripture means. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayer made in this place. What's predicated upon God hearing our prayers? Repentance. Turning from our evil ways. Acknowledging Him again as our Lord and Savior. Who are you going to listen to? Fousey or the Word of God? Believers, it's time to believe God's Word. God said, when I shut up heaven and there's no rain, when I command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence or plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from my throne in heaven. Then will I forgive their sin and heal their land. It's not going to happen until we the church lead the way. Asking for forgiveness. Asking God to change us so that we can be a light and a witness in a darkened world. We're living in the last days. It's unquestionable. Every sign is pointing to the fact that at any moment Christ could return for His church. It's time for the people of God to be centered upon the Word of God the promise of God, and the power of God that flows through His Holy Spirit. Oh, I'm looking for some Hebrews 11 people. You don't know where I'm going. I understand. Don't say amen yet. You will in just a minute, I'm sure. I'm not talking about Abraham or Moses, although I'd love to have some of those too. What I'm talking about are those who were sawn asunder. Those who were killed in stone. Those who wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, having no home to call their own. I'm looking for some people who will stand up and say, I'm going to say yes to God regardless of the consequence. I'm going to say yes to God regardless of the cost. I'm going to say yes to God no matter who doesn't like it. I'm saying yes to God. See, that's what Hebrews 11 teaches us. It teaches us that sometimes you're going to go through the fire. Sometimes you're going to endure things that people don't want to endure. But when we choose to be Hebrews 11 people, we can walk in confidence, we can walk in faith, and we can walk knowing the power and the presence of the living God dwells in me, flows from me, and somebody's life is going to be changed. We say it again, there's somebody just waiting for you to stand up and tell them there is hope in the middle of chaos. I read an article last week that said that believers in Afghanistan refused to be evacuated because they believed they had a responsibility to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with other Afghanis. Do you understand what that means? It means they were willing to lay their life down as a sacrifice so that maybe just one person could receive him and know him as their Lord and Savior. The reports are that many came to the Lord and are still coming to the Lord because believers refused to bug out when it got tough. 
Can the same be said for you and me? Can the same be said? Lord, I hope, I hope, I pray that we have the strength to stand. John 7, 17, it's an interesting verse of Scripture. It says, if any man desires to do his will, that means what God wants, then he will know or have illumination, recognize, can tell for himself whether the teaching of Jesus is from God or whether I'm speaking from myself. That's what Jesus said. Now notice this. I want to know, then I'll do. You with me? I want to know, then I'll do. But Jesus said it doesn't work that way. You do, then you'll know. You do the will of God, then you come to an understanding, a knowledge of what it is he's saying to you. But it doesn't happen inversely. It only happens when you do the will of God, then you know what God is saying to you. It's an amazing passage of Scripture. We want to do after we know. We don't want to do before we know. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. Do I really want to go down that road? Do I really want to talk to that person? Do I really want to live the kind of a life that is a shining light and a witness to my neighbors and my friends? Or do I want to know what's going to happen? Do I want to know they're going to accept my testimony? Do I want to know they're going to love me and care for me? Do I want to know that that doesn't have consequences or I might be hurt in some way, shape, or form? I want to know before I do, but Jesus said, you do before you know. That's for somebody in this room this morning or somebody that's watching online. When we become Hebrews 11 people and we say yes, he throws open the doors of opportunity. Michelle shared this story with me this morning. I'm going to share it with you. There's a coach from Canopy Oaks that's been in the hospital ICU with COVID. Thousands of people are praying for him across Tallahassee and the region. Michelle works at TMH. The other day, instead of taking her normal route to another part of the building, she changed her mind, went down to the first floor, got on the guest elevators to go to where she was going. When she stepped on the elevator, there was a lady on the elevator. She looked at her and said, are you okay? The lady said, no, as a matter of fact, I'm not. My husband's in ICU with COVID. And Michelle said, is his name Logan? The lady said, yes, how did you know? Well, we've been praying for him. My church is praying for him. Believers are lifting him up before God. And then Michelle had the opportunity to pray for that lady, to speak life into her, hope into her that never would have happened if she had not first said yes. How many opportunities do we miss because we don't say yes? Because we don't do before we know. Tom, would you come back? The admonition, the encouragement, the words, fear not, are repeated again and again through Scripture. You know why? Because God knew we'd struggle with that. God knew that would be an issue with those who follow him. 365 times he said, fear not. It's an encouragement to put your trust in God, not in your circumstances. To believe in what you can't see rather than what you can see. 
Isaiah 41, 13, the Bible says, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. 2 Kings 6, 16, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Romans 8, 31, If God be for me, who can be against me? Psalm 118, verse 6, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. Hebrews 13, 6, So we boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? See, it's time we change our thinking from I got to survive this pandemic to know I got to tell people about Jesus Christ. I got to tell people about him. And if for some reason or some way, something that we consider negative happens to me, then I know God's got me. And he will either bring healing, deliverance, or, and this is my prayer, he just says, come on home. Come on home. See, we've lost the reality of heaven. We've lost the reality of eternity. We live only for today, and when we live only for today, fear permeates our life. But when we once again turn our eyes on Jesus, and when we look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth begin to pass away because we're filled with his mercy and his grace. Revelation 2.10, Jesus was speaking to the church of Smyrna. The church of Smyrna was the persecuted church. He said, don't fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you in prison. That you may be tested, you'll have tribulation. Ten days, be faithful unto death, and I will give you a crown of life. Let me read that to you one more time. From the message, it says, Fear nothing in the things you're about to suffer, but stay on guard. Fear nothing. The devil is about to throw you in jail for a time of testing. It won't last forever. Don't quit. Even if it costs your life, stay there believing I have a life-size crown ready for you. I come to tell you this morning, fear nothing. Fear nothing. A sign of the last days is a spirit of fear. A demonic spirit of fear permeates the earth. We're saying that right now. All kinds of voices of deception trying to turn our attention away from the Word of God. So let me say it one more time in the words of the Apostle Paul, 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 15. So then brothers, stand firm and hold fast to the traditions and instructions which you are taught by us, whether by a word or mouth or by letter. Here's my admonition to the church. Hang on to your family like you'd hang on to a child in the middle of a tornado. Hang on to your faith like you'd hang on to your friends in the middle of a hurricane. Don't let go. Don't give up. Hang on. Hold on. Hope on. For Jesus Christ is still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And the God I serve, 
I don't know about the God you serve, but I know the God I serve. And the God I serve never fails, never forsakes, never bails. The God I serve is that friend that sticks closer than a brother. I've asked Tom to sing an old hymn this morning. Be familiar to some of you, new to others. But I want you to hear the message in the lyrics. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Stand with me. Come on, Tom, lift this great song up. Sing it out from your heart. Declare your trust in Him today. You made it to the end of the message, and now what? Is God leading you to make a change? Are you needing a good church home where you can grow and help others grow as you fulfill your part in the body of Christ? Then we invite you to join us at All Nations Church on Sharer Road in Tallahassee, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Sunday morning service is at 10.30 and Wednesday night service at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For more information, visit our website, allnationstallahassee.com.